Knox Phoenix here. Live from Manfield is still on break currently while we undergo production on the special RLCS episode. However, uh, we want to bridge the gap with another episode of Player Inputs Podcast. It's a new podcast starting up with me and Marl Fox. You can find that at playerinputs.com or on iTunes if it's not there yet because iTunes is taking forever. Anyway, enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe if you do enjoy the new podcast. For <laughs> for Crusaders is <laughs> uh, <laughs> knitting kilts for like very cross knights. Would they wear the kilts outside of their plate mail or inside? Because it would ride. It would ride a little high if it was inside the plate mail. Just all bunched up in the groin area. <laughs> well, there you have it. Make sure that you. Always wear the kilts on the outside of your plate mail. Welcome to <laughs> Player Inputs, where we are broadcasting live from the Upside Down. I'm Knox Phoenix. And I'm Marl Fox. And these are our inputs for the week. Take my sky... Wait, wait, hang on. <laughs> Trying to think wait, of the Firefly wait. theme? Yeah, hang on. Take my... What is it? Take my life, take my land. You Take me where I cannot stand. But you can't take the sky from... Something like that. Close enough. <laughs> but because you can't own the sky. Because it's no man's sky. Visions update happening on Thanksgiving. U.S. Thanksgiving. Which is which is something we have to sp- freaking specify mm-hmm. between the two of us. Because you do a Thanksgiving... We, it's a lawless land up in Canada <laughs> land. Because you just do Thanksgiving apparently whenever the hell you want. Yes, the same, the same time every year whenever the hell we want. I believe that's what it says on the calendar. <laughs> I just, you know, the Mayflower landed at a certain day and it was the <laughs> it was the third Thursday of November and I don't know why Canada has this stray from that. I don't actually know the reasoning, but I think our Thanksgivings like celebrate different things or different dates or something. There's like there's a reason for it. <laughs> I don't know the reason. I've never had a reason to know the reason, but there is one, and ours is better. Well, um, speaking of, so that's why they're actually launching this update on Thanksgiving, because the settlers of the skies are landing on different planets <laughs> come Thanksgiving <laughs> in the No Man's Sky Visions update. Before we talk about some of the cool things that are happening in this update, I want I want to know... How much confidence do you think that <laughs> that uh, Hello Games has in their QA department to go ahead and launch an update on a holiday? Uh, probably about as much confidence as they had when they launched the game to begin with. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so what you're saying is that the Hello Games DevOps department is working on, on Thanksgiving. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh boy! I'd be surprised if there's not any hot fixes coming down with these uh, changes they've made. I work in software, and we do biweekly prod pushes on our software, and <laughs> we don't 
let those happen on on Fridays, <laughs> let alone <laughs> a holiday, because we know that stuff's going to break and we're going to have to fix it. So I don't know what they're thinking, but uh, they seem to have their minds in the right track because they're introducing a ton of new content. All right. Uh, no Man's Sky is a, a completely different game than when it came out, mm-hmm. and it just continues like to be this like strata upon strata of, of new awesome improvements and in this one we've got new planet biomes which is dope because uh pretty much there's there's dust desert and then there's <laughs> then there's snow snow there's hoth basically yep. hoth yep. and then <laughs> and then there's uh dagobah yeah, there's tatooine hoth and dagobah <laughs> secretly a star wars game but they couldn't afford the ip <laughs> those are the three official biomes of no man's sky uh but there's some new ones coming um i actually didn't i looked at the trailer but i didn't take many mental note of what the new planet biomes but there's actually new planet types coming too which is kind of strange um yeah so i i don't even know what a planet type and a biome how that's separated because if you have played no man's sky i've never seen a planet that has multiple biomes on it so they're I think I came across a couple that did. Um, I don't know. I think it's pretty subtle. I I kind of think what they might be saying is like the like the the verdant planet or whatever as like the planet type might have like different types of verdant biome on it. Like in, instead of like every verdant planet basically looking the same like they do now, like there might be some differentiation. That makes sense. That makes sense. Maybe that's what they mean. <laughs> Maybe I don't. I yeah. I think basically there was a profile template of what a planet could be, and I think they've expanded that template. If I think that that's what is that's what it means, but could be that's speculation, um, completely speculation. Now there, uh, oh, I'm looking at these new biomes now, and it looks like I I can't. There are no Star Wars planets. Maybe maybe the new developers they brought in were Trekkies. Uh, maybe <laughs> and i don't know any uh some people might think that's an improvement some might not <laughs> uh all right there is um a bunch of different variants basically they've they've taken they've taken the um because everything in no man's sky is pretty much a spectrum uh in the first place but they've yeah. taken both ends of the spectrum and just extended it with with what is possible at each place so life forms um there's gonna be a lot more different uh variability in the life forms and They've extended their capabilities uh, because now creatures can actually look like resources. So if you think you're going to go mine a couple Gravitino balls, maybe it's not Gravitino ball. Maybe that's actually Orb Orby, an Orby mon. It's a Pokemon. Well, you can and you can name them yourself <laughs> if you scan them. So it's you true. Here first, they're Orby mons. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, and here's a, here's a really cool one. They've uh, extended the environment color palettes because that's such a simple thing because yep. <laughs> every planet like uh, I've gone to, it's like, oh, this is one of the blue orange ones or, oh, this is one of the green brown ones. And that was basically it. There's the blue orange and the green brown. It's interesting and- too, because the, the examples they gave are also still really eccentric in the pictures. Like I actually, I, I appreciate the wacky kaleidoscope of planets that existed for no reason in No Man's Sky. But I spent like hours trying to find 
a nice earth, earth yeah earth planet you to like to make a earth base <laughs> and there was always like oh this is a lovely you know green lush planet with hot pink sky <laughs> like, there's just there's always something that looks really weird it's, it was that, i don't know that rich that rich carbon monoxide atmosphere that causes that pink that pink tint in the sky yeah or you had the planets just, just didn't have an atmosphere which was interesting um now you may have built a base and you may have not been able to decorate that, but that's going to change because there are now trophies that you can discover and, and uh, unlock that you can decorate all over in your, in your bases now, which is cool. Uh, there's a lot more reasons to explore, which is the big thing, because um, as cool as the game was in, in, this, in its expanse, it was difficult to gain motivation to keep going when it was different new stuff but it was the same process of going about getting there now there's archaeology there's different um freighter shipwrecks that you can explore there's uh now crashed satellites that you can um, scrap and and discover uh so um that's i'm really happy that they're actually extending that front as well yeah definitely putting in more of these like procedurally generated things to keep it interesting because yeah like no man's sky even with the no man's sky next update felt really cookie cutter after a while so you get to new planet you look for the same wreck you've seen a million times you look for the same recon tower you go visit the same identical trading post like it was it was very cookie cutter and you're just kind of looking for cool resources and interesting you know minecraft style generated terrain but yeah it's nice to see that they're trying to make the the actual things you find a little more interesting hey in little shop of horrors what was the name of the plant that tried to eat seymour uh (laughs) (laughs) i know that's a deep that's a hard-hitting questions man that's (laughs) i can remember the name and what it looks like well not the name but like i can remember the voice and what it looks like but i do not remember the name well it's now a possibility on planets there are man-eating plants on the on the no man's sky planets so look out for those bad boys that's what we need but um i i this might be weird why are we all of a sudden bringing up a new no man's sky update uh i think that this could be a really cool kind of uh leeway into something that's actually kind of changing in the gaming atmosphere that i think would be interesting to talk about and that's this idea that no man's sky is a completely different game than when it launched. Actually, like it's something that I would pay $60 for now. And yep. <laughs> let's be honest, a lot of people, it was the most refunded game of history on Steam. And um, they've really treated, you know, the development on No Man's Sky, actually the release of No Man's Sky as like a living release or instead of, you know, a product that you purchase once and receive, it is actually a service that you have paid for upfront, interestingly enough. And you kind of, uh, you know, it rolls out over time. Um, And that's been the case with a lot of different games. My most played game, Rocket League, is this, it's almost like a completely different game than when, you know, it was launched. Yep. Uh, Why do you think the atmosphere is changing so much? First off, like, how is it even possible to, like, change so much from, you know, the cartridges that you went and bought in a box versus, you know, these DLCs that are all over the place? Yeah. Um, I think it's such a new world. What's it up? really is. Yeah. I mean, it really came with the technology. I think like, uh, I think distribution platforms was the big thing. 
that really pushed it right because once we got you know uh playstation network and xbox live and steam and all these kind of unified distribution platforms it, it became really easy to just push live patches instead of being like you have to get the game right and put it on the disc right you had one shot but now it's like no you can just totally update whenever you want so now developers are going like okay well now that we have the game out there, we, we have this button we can press to push a new patch. Like, maybe we should fix some of the stuff or put new things in that people want. It's something that wasn't even possible before the internet. Well, yep. okay, so it was possible. Could you imagine getting a patch disc in the, in the <laughs> mail every, like, couple weeks? Just like, hey, here's version 1.7. Go ahead new, and load this one on. A new issue of Game Informer or something that has the demo disc inside with the new patch files. So here's... Something that's actually like really interesting is even some of the like the console discs and stuff that you can purchase hard copies of the full version of the game in many cases actually still lives in the cloud where you'll you'll put the disc in and then uh, even on release day, you'll put the disc in and then all of a sudden you've got a two gig update that starts downloading. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, onto your console. Skyrim comes to mind. I, I got the physical collector's edition of Skyrim when it came out, and the disc, you, you had one disc, and it was literally just installs Steam, activates it's on your account, and then in Steam installs it. Like, there was nothing on the disc. Interesting. At least for PC. Yeah. Oh, I remember, like, there was a Call of Duty that came out. I think it was, it was one of the Call of Duties that I remember. I waited in line at midnight, and this was when I was still, you know, on console. And I went in, put it in my Xbox 360, and then I had to wait an hour to play because it had to download. And this was like pre-high-speed internet days, too, yeah. which really sucked. Um, so, all right, this is a weird tangent. I miss the days when, like, if you had a big game, it was on multiple discs. I'm thinking of Lost <laughs> Odyssey, the the amazing RPG that you yep. had to you had to like break in the middle of a cutscene to put the third disc in because it was a four disc set. Ugh. Those yeah, those were, those were fun. You know, a big, exciting moment happens, and then please insert disc two, and you're scrambling at 2 a.m. trying to find your copy of the other disc. So with everything changing in this way, how does it affect you as a, a video game consumer? Does this change like the way that you purchase games now, it, other than just logistically? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting situation, right? Because you look at games and it's like, oh, this game has a lot of potential, but it doesn't look that great. And then you kind of have to think, OK, well, is this something that they're going to keep updating? Like, is this in in a few weeks? Is this going to be a good game? You know, but it's kind of trying to gauge the developers interaction and, and like intentions with the game and the potential the game has versus like what you're paying for right now it's it's a really weird situation where it's like if it's a really good game you just like I'll just get it but if it's a game that you know might be good later but isn't necessarily good on launch you know like uh Fallout 76 for example like <laughs> one of those yeah. it's like you know I really want to play this game but it doesn't look that great right now you know so it's it's kind of a turn off of like I might need to wait on this until it hopefully gets better and I might just like follow it. But on the flip side, like some of these games that come out are definitely like these, you know, quote unquote games as service type things. They come out and I look at them being like, okay, you're just releasing a totally incomplete product super early. And instead of calling it early access, you're just giving us something bad to make money. And then you say you're going to update it 
you know, games as a service and make it a good game eventually, but you want my money now. Okay, so you started started this thought off with something that seems so natural in today's game consumer market that is actually, when you think about it, extremely fascinating. You said that you evaluate games based off of potential, and that is the weirdest kind of idea to think of buying a product to me, all right? Not, 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 not bad or good. It's just a weird flipped way of thinking of things because, you know, I would love it if, you know, I could go and purchase a TV and <laughs> think that like, this might get more features in the future. That'd be excellent. Right. But nothing you buy is, is like that. It's this very strange idea that, uh, when you, you could consider buying a game based solely on potential, like this game could be yeah. developed into something good yeah i mean like um, me personally i still like most of my purchases are still largely like if i'm buying the game it has to be at a state where i at least get my money's worth but you know it, it is an interesting kind of thought process to have for some games where it's like you know this if a game has a lot of potential um and, and it has like a decent developer they might need some sales up front to help show the interest and get the financing and stuff to do the rest of the updates to make it a really great game right so sometimes i have to sit there and look at games going like do i want to invest in this game right for a future payoff oh that's that's actually yeah another ridiculously good point stop being smarter than me Mm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it it really is it's almost like video games are kickstarters at this point even when like it's not on kickstarter it is (laughs) well i want this game to be good and so i'm going to give them money so that they can keep developing it because incomplete products kind of are something that happens now Do, do you think that games release like too early now because it's an option that they have rather than um than just the old fashioned way of taking time to complete the, the products like rightfully done and then shipping a, a full thing since they have the ability and capability now to like, ah, we'll, we'll just send them to them this way now and then we'll fix stuff later. I don't think that's the, the intention the developers go for, but I definitely think that's what um, publishers and investors have latched onto now. I think there's a lot of pressure from them looking at it being like, well, the product's good enough and we can just fix it on launch, right? So we'll get it out early so we can start making money faster. But, you know, you know, a lot of games are really suffering from that. I mean, I can't, I can't think of very many games in the last four or five years that have released and been really good day one and, and not having, you know, a day one patch or, or a very quick hot fix patch, you know, after release, you know, there's, there's bonuses for that, but there's a lot of games I think that come out, uh, way too early and then just see massive patches <laughs> that come up right after it's to true. fix a whole bunch of stuff it's like, you really, in the old days, this would have been delayed and then just all this would have been put in and sent out with the final version. But now they're just kind of giving you the good enough product. <laughs> and I think that No Man's Sky is the perfect exemplary uh, like vehicle for this discussion because it it launched, well, it's been over two and a half years now. Yep. Uh, and it was an extremely, like, it wasn't what was promised. Let's just put it that way. No. But that wasn't, that wasn't so much Hello Games' fault. It, a lot of people took what they had kind of mentioned as their hopes for the, the game and had, like, appended that onto the the title description for the game and so all of that aside um (laughs) 
you know, it's been something that they didn't do the greatest on initial sales because they had to refund a lot of copies of the game, but yet they continue to develop on the game. Why do you think like a, a company like Hello Games actively is developing and spending time and like money on these like resources to to like make the game better and better? Do, do you think that their goal is to actually sell more copies over like a longer stretch of time? I think it must be. Uh, like I think I think a lot of people really expected Hello Games to just kind of cut their losses at that point. Like once the game did so badly, but uh, I, I've actually been rel- relatively impressed that they've kept at it for so long. I mean, I wrote No Man's Sky off completely, as I'm sure many people did, for a very long time, pretty much until mm. No Man No Man's Sky Next, uh, when that came along, is pretty much when I finally gave it a shot. Uh, but they they kept going for a long time. Like I can only imagine it's got to be somewhat of a passion project for them. So I can't imagine those those first couple years before they really had their like sort of soft re-release with Next where people kind of came back. I can't imagine those years were financially very good for them. Yeah, yeah, it's I don't it's very No Man's Sky is one of those games that fascinates me. And you're right. It it started as a passion product project in the first place because uh they were a very small firm that came up with a good idea and a good way to do it and then so they must just be sticking with it. And honestly, good on them because the next update was was huge. And I, I actually doubled my hours in the game. <laughs> yep. Maybe tripled them after the next update came out. And um I'm probably I'm looking forward to the visions update now. I'm gonna actually reinstall it and uh I'm gonna get into it as soon as it, you know, is out, which is super dope. Uh what about, you know, that's kind of what I'm planning on doing. What about some of the games that you've been playing? What have you been up to in the gaming world recently? I have been playing pretty much only Pokemon. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm rocking that Let's Go, but uh, I actually started over, interestingly enough. You do this all the freaking time. I know, right? <laughs> it's, the weird, it's the weirdest thing to me. Okay. Like, I, maybe I'm too vanilla and I have to just, you know, take a game at face value and do it, but. You always do this. <laughs> Just explain it. I'm gonna let people find out from you. <laughs> well, okay. So I was having fun. I was getting. My so Pokemons. you wanted to, to quit? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I was having a lot of fun, and it is. It, this one's a really casual entry. I mean, Pokemon games are never super hard, right? But I, I was having fun, and I was catching all these Pokemon and building up the super strong party and everything. And then I started thinking about how much fun I had with my own challenge runs. And I came across a few videos of people doing monotype runs, uh, which is where you pick one type of Pokemon, and then you're only allowed to use those Pokemon in your party, like that realm of Pokemon, like only fire Pokemon or something like that. Why don't you do the Butterfree solo solo run? Interesting that you bring that up uh, <laughs> because uh, I am currently doing a mono bug run. So okay. my main Pokemon is actually Butterfree right now uh, yeah. <laughs> and Beedrill and uh, Butterfree and Beedrill and another Butterfree and a Beedrill because that's the only bug Pokemon that I can get <laughs> at this stage in the game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I, I'm well, just heading into Mount Moon. I'm gonna get my my Paris. I'm gonna have a, a Parasect, which is gonna be really big. 
my for my team but you know i just i don't know i, I hit a point in the game where it's like i still want to do the exact same thing i've been doing i want to collect all my pokemon and you know maybe get some shinies and all that kind of stuff and trade with my friends from the other version but i just wanted a little more direction a little a little like goal to work towards within the game and you know monotype runs are just a really fun way to do that and since this is based on gen one i mean bug is a really it's probably one of the more challenging monotypes to do so i just kind of rolled with it shinies and special edition versions of things mm -hmm. exist a lot in game mechanics yeah how come there's nothing in real life that's like that like how come when i when I pull like a new car off the lot, it's like, oh, by the way, you got the special gold edition. If you, <laughs> you know, if you think about it, it kind of does. Shinies, I would consider albino animals to be like the shinies of the nature world. All right. That's a good point. That actually is a good point, except they do have a condition and can't, <laughs> you know, process vitamin D from the sun in a in a good way. Um so that's an issue. But I'm thinking more of like how come I don't have the chance of getting like an extra large fry when I order a medium at, at McDonald's? <laughs> you know what I mean? Your passive like, just upgrades meals. Yes, I want some RNG baked into our everyday life. Uh what have you been up to recently? Uh you know, it actually hasn't been too long since we recorded our last episode, so I haven't gotten to get up to too much gaming other than my normal, you know, thousands of hours of Rocket League that I play every week. Perfect. But it's been paying off because I finally achieved the unattainable Grand Champion rank in, in Rocket League, which, if you don't know, is the highest rank in the game, except there is a leaderboard for top 100, but we're not. that's not a rank. <laughs> we won't talk not, about that. <laughs> we don't talk about that. I've gotten to the peak, uh, the, the summit of the mountain, and uh, it's and it's as good as it's ever going to get. <laughs> um, I wish I had more time. Actually, I'm really looking forward to the, you know, the Thanksgiving holiday break because um, I want to play some more Eternal. Uh, there's a new set coming out and uh, I <laughs> want to get my card collection to a place where I can actually play that game. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that like, fully release recently? I think it I think it did. Actually, the, the new set. Um. I mean, I mean but, the game because it was it was early access for a bit, but I think it like fully launched now. That's one of those games. So that comes back to the point where it was like early access in quotes, <laughs> where the game was out and people it has gotten yeah. as large of a game like gamer base as it was ever going to get. Well, from like a launch sort of like perspective, uh, that I you know what I'm under the idea that there's no such thing as a a open beta anymore or an open early access. I am under the idea that the game's released and you're saying just bear with us yeah. <laughs> at that point. It's like sort of a soft launch. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of games launching, is there anything coming up that you're looking forward to? Well, I, you know, I, if I want to think in like the immediate future, then the earliest thing I can think of is Anthem from, you know, which is going to be in January or February. I forget early next year, early 2019, Yep. which basically is exciting because I look for as many chances to play co-op games with my wife because she's not huge into video games, but anything that we can do is like a couch co-op sort of thing. She is all in for and Anthem looks like that perfect sort of game where we get like an open world. We get to explore. She doesn't have to, you know, worry about, you know, being self-conscious in front of other online gamers or anything like that. Um, 
And so really looking forward to Anthem. But there's a game that has had. All right. So if you go to the website for Tunic, which is a game I've been keeping my eye on for the Mm -hmm. last year and a half, the website says 2019. If you Google Tunic release date, it says 2018 because the metadata for like um, the Steam page and stuff like that says 2018. And then um, they were recently invited to partner with Microsoft where it's going to be a console exclusive for Xbox. It'll still come out on PC, but it will be the only console will be Xbox. And he said coming very soon in his like address. And I was like, (laughs) I just want to know when this game is coming out because I've, I haven't been so excited for a game in a long time, basically because I'm a huge Zelda fan and he's taken the Zelda aesthetic and applied it to a cute little Fox. In fact, the cutest Fox I know of, I'd say. Okay. Well, that's questionable. (laughs) What about you? What what uh, are there any titles that are going to be dropping that you can't wait to get your your hands on your paws well, on? Sorry. Uh, in a few weeks, there's going to be a big update. Uh, the new league for Path of Exile is coming out, the Betrayal League. Um, so if you don't know, Path of Exile is a free to play um, Diablo style game, uh, arguably <laughs> probably the, the true, you know, Diablo three. <laughs> if you will, or Diablo <laughs> four, because uh, Blizzard hasn't exactly done a great job with that. Um, what are you talking about? <laughs> don't you don't you have a phone? Don't you have a phone? Yeah. <laughs> I have one. I look at Path of Exile videos on it. <laughs> so uh, every three months or so, they do a new league, and they basically just bring out a whole bunch of new mechanics, and everyone starts over from scratch in the new league and, and plays through and tests out the new mechanics and have, have fun in it. And the, the Betrayal League has a really interesting set of new mechanics, but it also is changing a bunch of core features of the game that you know haven't seen a lot of changes in a, in a while you know i won't go too crazy but it's just like the end game systems are, are getting changed a bit uh, crafting's getting reworked um the daily missions you get are getting changed up and and using some old mechanics uh, from previous leagues that people really liked just a whole bunch of like cool quality of life updates along with all the new content so i'm super excited to dive into that do you have to purchase this or is you do it not with the so if you've purchased Path of Exile, it is free to play. That... You don't purchase anything. Oh, man. Shows how much yeah. I know about it. The purchases are all cosmetic. Oh, that's dope. That's yeah. super With dope. the exception, there is one small exception of stash tabs for your shared stash. This is one. Those are like one-time purchases that permanently unlock it for all leagues and everything. Uh, and those aren't like super required, but it's one of those things. If you get into the game, you're you're looking to drop like a tiny bit of money on it to get something useful. Buy premium stash tabs. Get a currency tab and a couple extra tabs just for really organizing and and helping your storage space because it really builds up otherwise so that's like the one thing that's like you kind of if you're going to play it a lot you really should buy that but it's not very expensive and then everything else is free so you know you can get some cosmetics as you like them and stuff but you don't need them like all the content and everything is totally free makes sense yeah so that's really sweet uh, and then slightly more distant at the end of january i'm i'm looking forward to kingdom hearts 3 for sure you are i've been <laughs> really going hard on kingdom hearts recently <laughs> oh you've been oh so you've been playing through the first two to yeah to catch up not, not the uh not in like the last couple of weeks taking a bit of a break but uh you can get the full kingdom hearts franchise in like bundles on ps4 so i have all the games all on the hd versions and everything and i've i've worked through kingdom hearts one uh kingdom hearts chain of memories three five eight over two days most of kingdom hearts two 
still have a few more to go after that. <laughs> I have to do Birth by Sleep, Coded, Dreamed Off Distance. Like, I have to get Wait. through all of this extra content. Those are all Kingdom Hearts games? They are all Kingdom Hearts games, and they are all part of the same storyline. I didn't realize that the franchise... What? Hang on. How come they're not, like, one, two, three, four, and five? Like... These are great questions that I don't have the answers to. <laughs> but the idea um, behind it, there's so many games. And the funny thing is, like, people thought these games were spinoffs, like Chain of Memories and 358 over 2, like these, like, mobile spinoffs. Not like mobile, but, um, you know, like, the Game Boy spinoffs and, and PSP and all that. Handheld, uh, yeah. Yeah, but they are actually incredibly important to the story and probably a big reason why when people got to Kingdom Hearts 2, they were very confused. <laughs> it's like it actually needed you to play Chain of Memories <laughs> to understand what's going on. Wait, did they break uh, like franchise loyalties like you just mentioned? Did they actually go like into a Nintendo handheld and then also like a because the Kingdom Hearts 1 was on PlayStation, right? It was. Did they do a Nintendo Game Boy release on one of these? I believe um, Chain of Memories was Game Boy Advance, maybe? So you're saying that not only did you have to, like, purchase each version of these games to, like, go through, but you would have to get the platforms that they were on to make it through the story. Yep. Now they're all consolidated, and they had re-releases on, like, PlayStation 2, and now they're all in the HD versions and stuff. But yeah, originally... They released on different platforms, and that's probably a big reason. And they had very different mechanics, so I think that's probably a big reason why most people didn't play them. Uh, but it actually is eye-opening when you play through them in the correct order uh, how important they are to the story. <laughs> you, you play them for the plot, is what you're saying. I do, yeah. My goal in all this is by the time Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out, I want to be able to sit down with someone and just explain the story of Kingdom Hearts, because it is an incredibly convoluted and confusing story but I want to know all of it. And that will be a new podcast called <laughs> the <laughs> Kingdom Hearts Within Us with Marl Fox, because I won't be a part of that. I've never played one, mainly because I'm not the biggest like I. All right. Are you ready for like a weird little insight into me? Sure. I hate cross pollination of franchises. And so one of the things that is my biggest pet peeves would be like, lego batman the video game <laughs> because it's the batman franchise in the lego form in a video game form so What's like this i lego batman that's awesome right i'll go buy a lego set i'll play batman as a lego boy right and that's super cool right or a batman video game awesome mm-hmm. another vehicle for me to get into my my batman you know world yep. lego batman video game bad right <laughs> and so this idea of Disney RPG, well, action RPG uh, video game, like, hurts me. It hurts me in my core. <laughs> so, and Very I'm sure they're great games, but they I are. just, I couldn't get past it. I, I couldn't. Maybe someday. <laughs> Maybe someday. Um, hey, speaking of, you know, challenges in life. <laughs> Video games have some interesting items in them to help get past, you know, the challenges. They're often very, like, very, very commonly mechanics in the game to get through the game. Yep. What would be some of the best items from video games that you would want to exist in real life to uh, enhance your life? Hmm. All right. You know, 
I'm, the first thing that comes to mind is the portal gun. Like, <laughs> of course, a classic. Because that's just you know, that's transportation, right? It's that's that's going to save you. That's going to save you gas gas money. That's going to save you, honestly, time and energy for everything. Because Trips I could be reaching fridge. in the fridge. I was just about to say <laughs> yeah. I could just be getting a sandwich from the fridge right now. You know, while recording this. Um, yep. So the portal gun is probably the number one thing on my list. Similar vein, bag of holding really handy okay. to have i actually have my my knapsack you have your bag of holding with you. i have a bag Excellent. of holding yeah uh, <laughs> unfortunately not as good as the game variant but that'd be nice you could put your fridge in there you could reach into the refrigerator <laughs> you could bring your fridge to work with you yes um, i'd love something like that okay um the i i couldn't so like the grappling hook or like the hook shot yeah. Okay. The, we'll go with the hook shot because the hook shot's pretty dope. Except, yeah, because that thing can hook into any sort of surface. Um, any wooden that's surface. not metal. Yeah, any wooden surface <laughs> with a gravity-defying pole strength. It, it, well, yeah, it's quite actually a physics-defying pull strength. It really? Because is. there's no swing. There's no pendulum effect. <laughs> it instantly hardens and creates a single vector to your destination which uh honestly i could use in my life you have a lot of uses for hookshot in your life well you know the other day i had to get a ladder to get on the roof to get the leaves out of the gutter and honestly it would have been real nice if i could just up there and <laughs> you know got some leaves out and um I, I would make my life i would make a profession of rescuing cats and trees which has to be an issue for as much as it's portrayed in you know movies but I thought that was going to be a huge issue when I was a kid. I thought cats were stuck everywhere. <laughs> How come no one's talking about this? I don't know, man. It's a big cover up. All right. Similarly, I've got a strange. Uh, oh, what do you got? I, I was going to say, I've got a strange one. All right. A very specific one. Proximity okay. mines, but not just any prox mines. The ones from GoldenEye, where if you happen to blow up the TVs from the, bung- <laughs> the bunker, that they can float in midair from a, a weird bug slash um, Easter egg. I don't really know if that was intentional or not, but if you blew up the TVs in that one room, then all of a sudden your prox mines could float. So you want a, a buggy video game, video game <laughs> item that retains yes. its bugs in real life. Yes, Absolutely. And, and how is that how is that useful to your daily life? Well, all right. So I don't have I don't need to blow up a lot of things. All right. So it's not really the mine part <laughs> that I'm interested in, uh-huh. but the physics defying hover capabilities. Uh, if you just need a place to rest for a second, you know, drop a couple prox mines. Oh, you can't sit on them because that's a proximity sort of thing. Maybe the remote mines <laughs> would be better. <laughs> Just keep the key fob far away. You know, you can make a little bench for yourself. Just drop a couple mines, sit down on top of them. Uh, I'm need sensing a, place- a pattern here. You seem to have something wrong with physics. You want your physics-defying hookshot, your physics-defying proximity mines. What do you have against physics? You know, I've always just felt held back. I feel like I'm someone who thinks outside the bun. and There's some sort of force <laughs> weighing you down, keeping you rooted. Yeah, and it's the force of nature. All right, Fair you, enough. You've got... <laughs> what, I had something... What, what, what's better? Something what, do you, what do you got? I don't know. Okay. I would like the plasmids from Bioshock. I don't even know what a plasmid is. They were 
injections, I guess, or potions that would just alter you to give you superpowers. So you could your get performance your... enhancing drugs. Yes, <laughs> you would. But you superhuman performance enhancing drugs, <laughs> right? I want to be able to shoot lightning. I want to be able to incinerate stuff and you know telekinesis float stuff over to me and i want that all to be in a handy dandy gigantic scary syringe that i inject <laughs> myself with and then freak out pass out and then maybe wake up with superpowers that's my preferred delivery method of superpowers oh excuse me sir are you diabetic no i need to charge my iphone so this will give me electrical fingers <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> Right. Uh, I think I can win the game, though. Oh, can you? The Gary's Mod Multi-Tool. The, the, uh, you can duplicate items, you can spawn anything you want. Um, I think that wins. Of course. <laughs> Basically walking around with your own debug menu. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That is going to do it for us this week. Make sure you let us know what items you want to see in real life uh, on Twitter. Use the hashtag inventory dream. You can follow us at player inputs there as well. Catch us on our live streams. You can go to twitch.tv slash Knox Phoenix for me and twitch.tv slash the underscore Malfrox for me. Thank you to the fat rat for the use of our theme song. Jackpot. Uh, super dope. Poppy. Poppy club club banger. (laughs) (laughs) But until next week, this has been Player Inputs. We are Knox Phoenix and Merle Fox. Quick saving, hard saving and signing off.